listening to Lonely Town, a killer's podcast with Jimmy and Derek. Today we have another special guest. Every time we have a guest, we say they're special. <laughs> so you're special just like everyone else. But we got a Tony Paredes, who you've, you've heard his wife already. We'll get into that on the show. She's been a guest. But, uh, man, we were trying to get Tony for a while now. He's a busy guy. He's uh, taking care of the roads for those of us in Utah. If you've never been to Utah in the winter... Uh, you can't understand what hours and how crazy it can get sometimes with trying to maintain the roads and keep them clean. Tony was out day and night busting it, and uh, hats off just for that. So thanks for making some time and coming in and talking with us. We'll get into it. My first thing I want to say before we get into anything is my first memory when we went over and talked with you probably about a year ago, we went over to the Annex, and we were kind of just, I don't know, BSing or whatever. You told us... Uh, I'm not a fanboy. We were talking about the Killers and stuff. You said, I'm not, no, I'm not a Killers fanboy, but Brandon was a pretty cool guy or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So it's going to be an interesting show that way because most people we talk to are huge Killer fans or have relationships with the band and that kind of thing. So this is a non-fanboy perspective, but yet still have some respect for, for the Killers. So We talk a lot about how the experience of people who, who are considered move-ins to Nephi. So we want to talk a little bit about, maybe you could share where you grew up, your backstory before you got to Nephi, and then we can talk about um, what your experience has been uh, since you've lived there. Sure. So I grew up in Orem, Utah, right on 400 North behind the Kmart, and kind of all over Orem. My uncle actually managed the trailer court just across the street from Trafalgar, right out there off Center Street, Timpanogos right. Village. And my just so happened that my grandma and my aunts and my uncle and everybody kind of lived in a trailer court. So if I wasn't up there at my house, I was down there, to, you know, with grandma or at the Trafalgar or whatever down in that area. Um, I went to Mountain View right as they built Timpanogos High School. And then they, they changed the boundary and they said because I was a 400 North was the boundary. So I could go to either school. So I thought, oh, cool, I'll go to a brand new school. I probably just should have stayed at Mount View because <laughs> it was uh, it was so new. The football pro- program was brand new, so they they were you know trying to figure out a coach and stuff. And the wrestling program it still wasn't kind of you know I wasn't so comfortable with the whole wrestling thing. So they wanted me to wrestle, but I was like, eh, I don't know if that's my gig, you know. And uh, you know it was right. You were right on the border of basically the, what we called the ghetto in Orem was the fourth north kids you know and 800 west-ish kind of and it, and the kids that were up on the hill were kids that all their parents were word perfect and all the big computer tech stuff that was going on in Orem at that time and so we had a very interesting array of you know very ca- some cowboyish kind of you know motor heads and all of us dirt head kind of kids and uh, you know, some real rich kids and some real jockey kids, and there was, it was pretty interesting. So, that's a pretty different yeah. mix when you get. Yeah, it, it, it was. There was some big fights on the front lawn and that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just that's the way school was back then. You know. Um, so you're from Utah, but mm-hmm. Orem to to us was the big city where we would go yeah. when we wanted to find something to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Orem was. Uh, and it was weird because now, I mean, I mean, I don't even recognize it now, but back then it was a lot of orchards and there was a lot more of a Nephi feel to it, even though the population still was higher at the same time, you know, but it still just had more of a, you knew your neighbors, you knew the people around you, you kind of knew, you know, 
I used to ride my three-wheeler from my house to my grand, you know, I mean, you could, it was still kind of a country-ish town, and uh, about around the time of the Olympics, boy, they just, that was it. They were going to be a big city, and they Business didn't. picked up. Yep, they just, and that's okay, I guess, you know, so I met my first wife right out of high school, and kind of got started, you know, just, we just dove right into it, and we stayed in Payson, we actually lived here for uh, quite a while, I worked at Pacific States Cast Iron Pipe, which is now uh, McWayne, I think, McWayne Enterprises, and they owned it when I worked there, but I guess they finally just changed everything, all the paperwork and stuff, and so during that time frame, I actually had my had a health problem. I had a, a gall, gallbladder try to explode, or appendix, sorry, and I lost a bunch of time on work. So I got talking to my uncle. He lives in, in a, well, he lives in Golconda, Nevada, but he's it's right outside of Winnemuc, and nobody knows where Golconda is. And he's like, well, you just come work out here, you know, make some more money, whatever. So that was my kind of, I'd already been dabbling in heavy equipment um, with my dad and then Pacific States. So I was like, okay, well, I'll go try that out. So I moved to Golconda, and that was, uh, oh boy, that's a whole different country out there. It's <laughs> it's it's pretty neat, it's pretty cool, but it's a whole, it's outside of the bubble, you know. It was the first time I ever, I'm sure you guys have heard of people refer to Utah as the bubble. And uh, boy, what a place, that was different. So I worked in the uh, gold mines for about five years, four half-ish, and marriage didn't work out stuff like that so I came home and when I came back I came back to Orem and like I said it was an entire different place it just was not there was nothing you know the only things that was the same was permanent things like roads and you know but yeah. everything else was still just a whole new city so I kind of you know met some gals you know whatever dated stuff like that and then then I, I met Metal and it was very strange to me when I met her because somehow I knew so, well, you guys remember MySpace, right? And you go into MySpace and it tells you that you know similar people, right? So I get looking through MySpace and I'm like, this chick knows everyone I know. Like like all my cousins, my friends. And I'm like, what in the world? Like kind of stalkerish, right? Like I was like, <laughs> why does this girl know everyone I know? So I just started talking to her and uh, we... We hit it off. Things were good. I think we were both in the part of our life where we were just, we didn't want to mess around no more. We wanted to move forward, both have a family, get things going. And so we just dove in and got, got it going. And I moved, lived in Orem and at the time, just up by the Honey Bake Ham place. And I just moved right down to Nephi with Meadow and done deal. It was pretty fast courtship. <laughs> and you were a Nephi moving transplant? I, I was a transplant, and I think I was Meadow's boyfriend for the first three years I lived in Nephi. <laughs> Everywhere I went, oh, you're Meadow's boyfriend. I was like, well, actually, I married her, but yeah. <laughs> you know? I've up, been upgraded to husband <laughs> Yeah, now. I'm husband now, but, you know, everybody down, from down there know, knows Meadow, and, know, you know, they either worked with her at Flying J, or they knew her parents from John Deere, or they, you know, Nephi, I don't have to tell you guys, Nephi's pretty tight-knit, so. So how was it when you first moved there? Like, I mean, when uh, we usually talk to people, they moved there like elementary or high school years. Mm -hmm. You were an established adult. Yeah. Um, was there still kind of a, you're, you're a move-in, we don't know. Yeah, item. we had, I, I, I like to call it like the, 
the good old boys. You know, there was a definitely still the guys that knew, the older guys that knew who you were. So I, I pretty much couldn't even get a job in Nephi until I started throwing Charles's name around. Because, <laughs> you know, they just, they were, they're, they're very leery still that they just didn't, if you weren't a permanent, you were going to be around. Boy, they, you know, I mean, I guess I probably could have went and worked at Burger King or something, but, <laughs> you know, you get a good job. I, I had to throw Charles's name around a little bit. And, but, you know, most everyone there was real friendly, real receptive, you know, happy to meet me. I got along with everyone. I mean, I've, I still can hardly think of anybody that I don't get along with because I just don't. I just try to get along with people, and I just kind of almost just fit right in there once they realized that me and Meadow were a thing and we were going to stay a thing. They just kind of welcomed me with open arms, and now I I see old farmers at the gas station. I don't know who they are, but they always say hi to me. And <laughs> they know me because they know Meadow, so. and she ran the irrigation company for a while, so they'll see that old green truck, and they'll they'll say, you know, Oh, that's got to be Meadow's husband, and they always talk to me, so it's been really good. I've met some really amazing people down there that I probably otherwise wouldn't have thought even existed, you know. But that's the better thing about that small community is you move down there, it's a lot more tight-knit, a lot more, you know, you can let your kids wander, and you know they're safe, and it's it's kind of like you said, you know, you, you grew up a kid, living that way and then you get adulthood and you don't like it no more and you go back to it it's, it's pretty refreshing yeah so so you met over there you've kind of set up shop and you're establishing life uh, at what point um you, she kind of told us the story from her perspective but when you get to where you're gonna take over this annex and you guys got pretty ambitious about about business and well life. i'll tell you a funny story is is um i've always tried to dabble in business i've always tried to dabble in things um, always reading, thinking, grow rich, and you know books to just try to um, keep my mind in that mindset. And it was funny because I was running a, a D10 dozer, and we were putting in the new substation out by the power plant. And apparently, it was some kind of sub so that they could run more power out of Delta and down to that California line. And so, I was running a dozer out there. And at the time, we owned the little thrift store right next to the bow shop. And I just, we kind of picked it up on by happenstance. I think I paid the gal like 1500 bucks or something for it. And we, you know, we just kind of were, really what it was is we thought, what kind of town do you have if you don't have a thrift store? You know, a place for people to pick up cheaper things and people to drop off good stuff that they don't want to throw away. And so we just kind of, metal was kind of needing something to do, and I guess. <laughs> and then we picked that up and then... Um, the mechanic on the job out there, um, he he would stop me one day and what well, the scraper or something that I was running was down and he says, I heard you guys own the thrift store in town. I said, Yeah. I says, It's pretty fun, but you know, you don't make a lot of money. It's more of a service to the community <laughs> than anything when you have a thrift store. And he's like, Well you care if I come check it out? I said, Yeah, I don't care, you know, whatever. Whatever you you know. Kinda of made it weird like that and I was like, Well, whatever you wanna do. So he came in and checked out the store, and then he didn't say much, told me it was a nice shop, whatever, and then we left, and he's like, I think it took him till Tuesday. So this was on a Saturday. We were working seven days a week on that job, 
So by Tuesday, he's finally, he come up to me and says, well, I need to talk to you about something. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, is this guy's going to start bitching about something that he saw or something, you know, whatever. Because some of these thrift store people, they're real deep into their thrift storing or whatever. <laughs> and he says, I got a question. He says, I, I have a friend that owns an old building in town, and I was wondering if you had any interest in managing it. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And he's like, I said, what building is it? And he's like, well... He's like, you think about it if you guys really want to, you know, and then and then we'll talk more. So, you know, the day went on, and I'm up on the mountain pushing scrapers. So I really don't have anything else to do other than think about things. So by the end of the day, I says, yeah, tell me what building you're thinking, and I'll go drive by it and see. And he says, well, it's the annex building. And so the funny thing is for me, it's like you guys grew up there, right? Mm -hmm. So you you would know what the annex is if the word you heard Second, you heard the word. Yeah, I had no idea what this was. It was literally like what 250 feet around the corner from the thrift store. No idea. I had no idea what it was. Passed it a million times. I'd never acknowledged it. So I go home. He's like, Well, think about it, whatever, you know. I says, I don't know. I don't know, you know. So I go home and he's, I tell Mental about it. And she's like, Oh, yeah, what building was it? And I said, The annex building. I said, but I told him I don't want to run no run down old piece of crap, you know. And she goes, are you kidding me? And I says, what? And she goes, the annex building? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, you call him back right now and you tell him we want to go look at it. And I said, okay. So I called Jim and I says, I says yeah, we'll, we'll let's go look at it. And the funny thing was about it was, you know, of course, I came up to it. And there was only two op apartments that were in operation that you could rent out. And... It had, it had been through quite the abuse. I mean, and I know you guys know stories over the years where I've heard it's been everything from, um, you know, grain storage of some farmers keeping grain in there to uh, it used to be the old phone company. It used to be an old midwife's quarters. It's had so many titles, so many. I mean, it, this thing has done a lot of stuff. And so if I get to it and I look at it and I think, you know, Oh man, you know, it's going to be a lot of work, but I could see the potential and it's always kind of been a plan of mine where I would, I, I wanted to get something going that was creating income and then segue into the things I want to do, like flying and, you know, that kind of stuff. And so we thought about it and we, and, uh, you know, we said, yeah, we'll manage it because the idea was at first is to manage it and, and see um, if it made money, if we could, you know, get everything fixed up and then we can make money off of it, you know, enough to at least pay the bills. Like, obviously, you're not going to get rich from something like that, but you you could make a decent living off of it. Um, and so we took it over. And at first, I tried to manage it remotely, and it was a very um, eye-opening experience as far as learning how humans react and how they they can lie to you very easily just sitting here like this. And, you know, you'd get people in there and they'd tell me how they were OCD. And you don't worry about this house is going to be so nice. And I'm going to clean. And that, and then you'd go over there and they'd have liquor bottles tipped over on the table and their cat pissing all over the floor. And you're like, oh, why do you have a cat? I didn't even know you had a cat. You know, like, it, so you learn very quickly, you know, through a vetting process and, and doing background checks and, and, all, and, you know, a huge thing now is Facebook stalking. You look up people. Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, my wife's very fluent. She, she'll, as soon as I say, well, this thing, this kid said they want to live there, she'll 
pull them up and no, they're not staying here. I'm just kidding. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where we try to give anybody a, a chance that wants to live there, but we're very particular on who stays there because in, in that building, it's like living in a big house. You're really close to each other. And so you really want to make sure there's people in there that are good people and they're, you know, young families that are trying to, trying to save and get a house and that kind of stuff. People that are all kind of heading in the same direction makes it a lot easier to, to manage that place. But So at first we, we tried to manage it remotely and apparently Meadow knew that Brandon had something to do with this place like the whole time. I had no, I had no idea. So we get, we, we, we tried to manage it remotely and then she's like, well, we should just move over there. So I got one of the bigger downstairs ones cleaned up and got it to where we could live there. We moved over there, and once I started managing it on site, it got a lot better because I could see what, who was there, what was going on, what they were doing when I wasn't there, you know, that kind of stuff. So nobody was living in the one you guys moved into. No. You had to. No, I only had two occupants uh, when I when I took it over, and um, (laughs) the the one apartment was like a large one bedroom. I think she was paying like fifteen hundred bucks a month and didn't even have a washer and dryer. And it's just a big one bedroom. And this was, you know, 10, 11 years, 10 years ago at least. Somewhere in there, 9, 10 years ago. And then the opposite side of the building, same thing. And I think she was getting 1000 bucks a month-ish out of that kid. And he didn't have a washer or dryer or anything. It was just... And then to move in, the lady wanted him to pay... Um, I think they had to pay first and last month and the the month coming so they had to pay like three grand to move into the annex and i was like i was like this is not gonna work like you know that's that's a lot of money so that was one of the first things we changed and and then just as i you know my paycheck metal's paycheck we just started fixing stuff up to the best of our abilities painting things tearing out old carpet and just kept working towards occupancy the more the more stuff we fixed and more people we got in there then then it kind of starts giving back and so it was definitely a very i saw it as a pathway to get to go and to where we want bigger and funner and faster and more money things but it, it it's definitely been a um a lot of work and a lot of commitment and a lot of time and the annex is funny because it'll 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 run great for six seven eight months you know there there won't be one thing that goes wrong and then all of a sudden this is leaking and that's broke and this falls out and that's you know like all at the same time and the funny thing is you'd think if i just fixed them up and left them empty they'd stay fine you know that the the apartments nobody's touching them but the weird thing is is if they're not occupied i have more problems with them than when people live there so you're really motivated to have people in them because they and it's probably, you know, people notice stuff, you know, and they'll tell me, hey, this this little tiny drip, you know, versus when I find it, if we haven't been in there for a while, and it's flooding the floor or whatever, so. Yeah, we uh, we noticed a few months ago it was put up for sale. Are You guys are still in there, right? So we did, just, I think we just had a rough winter, the sum of it. We put it up for sale. We were kind of thinking that maybe if we, Maybe if we sold that, then we'd have more money to put over here. We could kind of do things around. But I think um, 
you know, at the end of the day, we took vacation and we breathed a little. And I finally just told Metal, you know, from my point of view, I said, you know, I worked so damn hard on that thing that just even to give it to somebody for money would be like giving your favorite daughter away to somebody you don't like. You know, it's just you put so much time and so much effort and blood and sweat and tears and all those projects I've had in there with my children and my friends. And it's just, you know, and then, of course, the history, the history for Nephi, not only the Brandon Flowers thing, but all the stuff that's happened there. I've had hundred year old ladies sitting outside staring at the building and I, I go out there and I'm like you know you okay you need anything she's like no I was just I just wanted to come visit she's like I was born here <laughs> and I was like sure you were you know and then I go down to the museum and I, I would talk to Nadine and she'd be like yeah that used to be a midwife's quarters and back then there's a lot of people in this town were born there <laughs> like okay <laughs> you know but yeah there seems to be I don't know um not necessarily the, uh, the like the paranormal type stuff mm-hmm. that we'll probably get into a little bit because those are fun stories to have. Yep. But there seems to be something with that building that if you've been there, you've lived there, you've owned it, yep. you're you're connected to it. We yep. we see that through Brandon and a lot of the songs mm-hmm. and stuff that you know that's for whatever reason that building seems to have an in, an imprint on people. And mm-hmm. uh, kind of hearing you and Meadows stories, both kind of been that same way. But like you're saying, people will come back from all around just come yeah. back and, and say hey I, I used to live here or I was born here or whatever so once you once you put in the the time and the hours that you've put in on that yeah. building I'm sure it's it's almost like you say another another kid it's it really like, is and and the funny thing is you know with this recent album that Brandon and the killers have released um, it's kind of refreshed everyone's memory that, that, that he lived there and that kind of stuff and so it's almost been a joy for me because People know I own the annex. They'll stop me and they want to tell me, oh, my aunt used to live there and I played there or my friends or I lived there or we were right there after we had our, our, um, Mikey Broadhead's grandma was telling me a couple weeks ago, well, it was a couple months ago, that she used to tell me that she was pregnant with, with Kevin and walking up and down those stairs. <laughs> they used to live upstairs when, when, before Kevin was born. And God, she hated them stairs, and it was so hot upstairs. <laughs> and everyone has an, it's so, everyone in this town has an annex story. And it's everything from cute little, I used to play there when I was a kid, you know, or my, my, I was born there, or I was little there, all the way to we used to get drunk and do all kinds of stuff we probably won't want to talk about on your podcast. You know, those kind of stories to grain storage to, I mean, just, it, it's, it's definitely one of those buildings that, um, has had such a huge impact on that community that you almost feel like you're a caretaker of a piece of history in that in that place where it were really it's i mean like i said you can't go you know i can walk around and just say the annex and people have an annex story it's well, <laughs> it's even branching internationally uh we have listeners um all around the world but over in the uk i was talking with a lady when it came for sale uh, that's been a guest on our show before, and she said if she was to win the lottery, mm-hmm. what she would like to do is come and buy that building from you. Yeah. So, I mean... <laughs> well, you know, everything's for sale, but <laughs> she, she'd have to make, you know, it'd have to be a pretty serious commitment. I think when we did put it up for sale, I, I felt a lot of... Um, just didn't feel like people could do... Maybe, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but I don't feel like people could do it as good as I do. 
It's a lot of work. It, 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 it would, and metal, obviously, you know, it's not just me and my little brother, James, and, and my, James is metal's little brother, so he's my brother-in-law, and then my little brother lives upstairs. He helps me a lot, too, and um, there's a lot of, you know, and then the kids, I mean, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in that place, and it would take the right person. It really would, and, and, and sure, there's the Brandon history and stuff there, too, but you, you've got, in a town where there's almost nothing to rent, for kids that are in that with that wage bracket, you're really almost having a, a responsibility to the town to make sure these kids have somewhere to go. And I've only got ten of them, and and one of them's mine, and now two of them are my kids. So it's kind of like a like I try to do the best I can, um, but you know, I just don't think anybody. I don't know. Maybe it's a personal opinion. I'm sure there's somebody out there who could do way better than me, but. You know, <laughs> it's, no, I think you put in a lot of hours uh, yeah. besides your, your regular jobs, you metal, your businesses, your full time jobs and, and that. Yeah, it's, it's a lot to dice up. Did you have uh, much interest or, or people come by or, or anything like that when it was? Yeah, up? we had we had, um, you know, somewhere in the area of five people that that um, like came to it. Metal had a lot of, you know, because she does real estate. She had a lot of interest online and phone calls and stuff like that. And. My my feeling was God, if they can't even come here, I don't, you know, I'm, that that's not the right person, you know. Uh, I think the farthest outfit we had come down from somewhere in Idaho, and uh, we had already made up our mind at that point that we weren't, you know, and I kind of kind of felt bad for bouncing that appointment, but you know, it, it's one of those things. Like I said, you know, I've, I've got a couple guys in there that are that are, um, you know, they're, they're, they need a place that's more affordable to live. I've got my kids in there. I've got little brothers and, you know, just people that, people that actually need that space. And I really didn't want anybody to come in there and turn it into a slum and just, and there's so much, I mean, I don't know how deep you guys get into craftsmanship and wood and stuff, but there's so much stuff in there where you can walk through this place and you can see where they built this trim by hand or they laid this I mean just just so much of it at the time that it was built you know it's four nails instead of two it's I mean people just it's a fortress like it is put together and whoever built it at those times really took time to make sure it was it was great and that was another thing that happened to us was like we thought, okay, we'll sell the annex. We'll probably go buy a set of twin homes or something, and then we can move Haley and, and, and move the my oldest son, you know, or whoever, whatever, whoever needs a place that can come with us and stay in the other one. And all this new construction and stuff that I went and looked at, I was just like, wow, this is garbage. Like, there's <laughs> a reason the annex is still around yeah, today. Like, like it's just been thrown together so fast and so, you know, haphazardly, and and I'm so I've been in the, the annex for ten years and. Sure, it was dirty and nasty when I got it, and there's still things about it that are old and whatever, but there's still, like, I can walk through there, and I can tell you everywhere that this is going to stand way longer. I mean, I've had quite a few contractors come to me and say, look, if you just keep regularly updating this and you take care of it, you got another 100 years on this place, no problem. Like, and that's been more than one guy, more than one outfit has told me that it's constructed so well that it'll stand for a long time. Built, so, built to last. Yeah. yeah. 
So when the album comes out, I mean, it ends up being on a T-shirt and all this kind yeah. of stuff. You weren't a big Killers fan. You didn't grow up with Brandon and all yeah. that. Um, so when this all starts to happen, what are your first thoughts when you start seeing this coming out? And and that, um, I mean, that's your house. So so the the first time that anything really happened that gave me any inkling that something was going to happen is I I came out my front door and I don't remember where I was going, but there was this little. He ended up being the producer or something of the of the album. This little guy out there, and he had one of them little old, you know, roller camera. He's rolling it, and he's walking around my building, you know, and he's looking at stuff, and he's just walking through the yard like he owned the place. And I was like, hi. He's like, hey. And I was like, can I help you? Is there something you... I actually you... own the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, no, I'm just... I was like, oh, cool. Well, this is my house, you know, so... And he's like, oh, um, you know, and he, he kind of... That's where that whole thing kind of started. And, I, and it really kind of happened way before all the actual album and everything's happened and so we kind of had a conversation and there was a lot of you know you can't tell nobody's and that kind of stuff and and uh that first day i was like you know whatever there's some college guy that's just he's got a pipe dream and you know i thought well whatever um and then and then of course that lead me to go to metal and i'm like so what happened with this brandon flower stuff like who is this guy whatever and she already kind of told me rough roughly about him but i had no idea he was the person who he is until that all happened and then i was like oh that's kind of cool you know but i really didn't think much about it you know um it really wasn't much you know that that, that was just kind of one of those things that had happened you know because like i said people come to me all the time with stories about the annex and so i was like oh okay you know and the time that I, and, and this is important to know about the story is the time that I actually first met him was we were sitting in the, in the building and we were sitting in my living room and I could hear a pair of adults and some little kids talking out in the hallway and metal, you know, she don't like people wandering through the building and, you know, around Halloween and stuff, we'll get a lot of, you know, looky loos that'll come in there and they want to see the ghosts and they want to be freaked out or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, whatever, you know, and she got up and she goes out in the hall to see who it is and she's out there talking for a minute and I can hear her getting all excited and then she comes back in and of course she was in her pajamas or something you know she, <laughs> she comes running past me and she goes it's Brandon Brandon's here and she runs past me and I was like Brandon because <laughs> she didn't say Brandon flat she just said Brandon so I'm like Psh. I'm gonna go tell this guy to leave right so I go, <laughs> I go out there in the hall and I open the door and there's this you know average height guy and he's uh, she was blonde, you know, your typical, just perfect little Mormon-looking-ish kind of wife, you know, and a bunch of kids running around. I thought, just a little family on vacation and whatever, and started talking to him just like I would talk to you or anybody else. And he says, "Oh yeah, I used to live here." And I says, "Cool." I says, "Everybody has an annex story. This is a pretty cool place in the town." And he's, you know, the whole time tending to his kids and being the real dad, like you know. Which is probably the hugest part about the story to me is like the impression I got from this guy before he even knew he was this, you know, musician and all this stuff was he's a really good dad. Like he was aware of these, you know, most people will get inside the door closes behind him then their kids can roam and tear things apart. And he was very paying attention to what they were doing and, and not 
yelling at him, but just attending to his kids like most, you know, like you should, right? And telling me that he uh, used to live there with his parents and his uncle, and they, you know, had done a lot of work in the building and stuff. And he just, he said, I just would really like to show my wife the stuff I used to do with my dad, and you know, just show her, you know, kind of, kind of what we were doing and stuff. And, and a lot of it would be down in the basement. Do you care if I go? Down? I said, sure, go ahead. I says, I'll take you down there. Because at the time, I, you know, wasn't sure if there was any broken glass or anything that was in the way. And, you know, we, because we've done a lot of work on that basement. And then it seems to be like the catch-all, you know, where I'll get it cleaned out. And then I just put a bunch more crap down there. So we went down there and he showed me all the old conduit that he ran. And he showed me, you know, the, the places he used to have to try to climb through. And I guess because of his his stature he he could fit through tight spots which made sense to me because when i crushed rock like you always found the smallest guy and shoved him up in there because that's, <laughs> that's how you get things you know get things fixed and he uh you know it was a really good visit and he was always just talking to her and talking to his kids and like really dadish and and i have a huge amount of respect for 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 fathers and dads and stuff like that and so Meadow kept coming down and she'd visit, but she hates the basement. This is the first time I've ever seen her go in the basement. And I think all I have to do is find a rock star and she'll go down in the basement. So <laughs> <laughs> it was uh it was definitely a it was just like I just like meeting you guys today. Like it, there was no paparazzis or it so I just really was like, Oh, I guess he's a singer and you know, Meadow told me how big a deal he is. I said, Well, you know, I guess he's a singer and he's a cool dude and he's a dad. I pro you know, maybe he's not that big a deal. I don't know. You know, so <laughs> so then start looking around on the internet and stuff and I and I started realizing how actual big deal he is, you know, and I said, Oh, okay and then and then of course the picture of my son and him out out in front of the hall door, everybody sees it on Facebook and they're you know, everybody, oh, what happened, what happened, wanting to hear the story, and I'm like, we just hung out for like 40, 35, 40 minutes, and, you know, and they're like, what'd you think about him, and I was like, I was like, well, you know, I've met some people around Utah, you know, Robert Redford, Carmel, and those kind of guys, wasn't very impressed with them two either, um, I said, you know, as far as celebrities go, I said, he's a pretty cool dude, like, you know, I think I could see myself hanging out with him someday or something. You know, most of those people seem really unapproachable and really far out there. And he was just like another dude. Like, it was, it was... Yeah, I was wondering if when they first came in, if you were going to try to sell them a unit or something before you knew who yeah, was. Yeah, I mean... And get I the mean, family in there. It, it took a minute to realize who what was going on. And, you know, and, and, and he had no... He just wanted to show his kids part of his history, you know. There was nothing else behind it, and so I stopped what I was doing and went around. I can't remember what I was working on, but it was pretty cool, you know. And from that, even from that experience, and I'm kind of slow when it comes to all this stuff, so I thought, well, you know, that's probably that's bad. That's it. I think, you know, he told me he was going to have his dad get a hold of me, and because there was some questions I had about things, he was going to have his dad get a hold of me, and we were going to look at some stuff and I thought yeah, yeah you know if he's not busy that'd be really cool and then um you know it kind of came to the point where they where they they annex and Brandon wise they were they they came back to me and they said okay we're starting this thing's starting to catch speed 
we're getting going here's the deal um you know if you'll help let us you know take pictures of the annex and help us do uh, they want to do the the youtube thing and then the, at the end of it the big secret surprise was we'd have this little concert out back at Ani's garage and i don't know if it was planned in Ani's at that time but that's where it ended up and so i said sure you know because i thought well you know metal loves it so much you know what kind of better gift could i give her than to make her things a part of this right and so I didn't think a lot of it, you know, and I think it's probably because, you know, they're so busy. It's really hard to, like, when they would call me, they were ready. Like, that was, okay, today's the day, you know, kind of thing. When I, um, when he contacted me, he said, okay, we're starting to do this YouTube-ish kind of thing. We're going to have, like, six characters, and they, and they, you're, we want you to be one of the characters because you own the annex. And, you know. Basically, we're just going to come hang out with you and have it kind of like this, just a little interview and talk to you. I said, okay, you know, let me know, whatever. Let me know when you're going to come down. A couple weeks later, I think it was, they said, this is when we're coming. I said, okay. And I think I saw them in town just doing the wandering around, taking pictures of other stuff before they finally got to me. And I was like, okay, so something's going to happen, you know. And uh, they came, and it was really strange because... They just kept saying, we just want you to talk about, you know, Nephi and the Annex. And, and and I was like, well, you want me to talk about Brandon? And, and they're like, well, no, just talk about whatever you... And I was like, so what do you want me to talk about? <laughs> like, So they didn't really... I think they were trying to... Like, they didn't want to tell me what the album was about. Or, or some of the songs, you know, with the pain pill epidemic and the stuff that's kind of was kind of in ish some of these songs i think they just kind of wanted to get it out of me now being on that side of it and then listening to the album I was like oh that's what they're trying to get me to talk about right so i had a few annex specific stories where i was you know um probably four or five years after i took it over i had a kid that uh, he was my friend. I mean, we, we just knew each other. We weren't close, but, you know, just from the annex. And he, he had a drug problem, and he had a girl problem. And he finally, um, I don't know if Meadow told you guys this story, but he, he uh, his daughter was the one that they sent all those letters to in Fountain Green. And when he found out she was terminal, he came home, and I, I'm assuming just got real messed up and put a shotgun under his head, and that was it. He just took his head off. And that was probably like the first Nephi incident that, that, that really rang true to me that the same stuff that happened in my family growing up and, and the things that had happened to me in Orem is we had the epidemic up there just as much as you guys did. A lot of my high school friends are gone. A lot of people I really cared about are gone, um, including my mother and my, my two uncles are now all suicides and um that was the first time in nephi that kind of thing had happened and so it was really it was kind of one of those things where i felt like i needed to talk about that part because i feel like the annex you know there's life and death there there's a lot of good kids growing up and you know and then when they do move out i'll see them in town and stuff like that but people die there too you know it happens and i've had a, a couple friends you know 
he was the guy that was driving the ambulance and it got flipped over and that damn near killed him. And then he survived that and actually asked me if I had a bigger place and I moved him to one of James's duplexes. And he, he died there just of old age and, you know, he it was time. Had a guy that stayed at the annex and found out that he had uh, pancreatic cancer and he fought that at the annex. And then when he left the annex, he died. So it's one of those places where it's both, you know. There's mm-hmm. lots of life and lots of death and there's, but at that time when they were interviewing me, you know, it was, they didn't want to real specific about what they wanted to talk about. Like, they just wanted me to talk, you know. So, like, I went in the house and Meadow was asleep. She wore herself out. And I said, hey, them, them killers guys are here. They want to do the interview. And she says, okay, love you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I went outside and I was sitting right in front of my bedroom window. And the whole it's funny because the whole time I was doing the interview, she's right on the other side of the curtain sleeping in bed because, God, she's just such a hard worker. She, she'll wear herself out pretty good. Mine ended up being the notes from the quiet town, mm-hmm. and, and you're in there. Mm-hmm. Originally, did they want you and Meadow, or did they just want you? Um, it seemed like they were pursuing me more, and I'm I'm not sure what, why that was, though, because she knew, you know, she's fangirl. Like, she knew, you know, she's all about all that stuff. So I was just like, well, you know, and I... I I didn't really know his family. I didn't really. Know, I, I don't know if they just wanted an outside guys, you know, kind of like you said. Like I wasn't real fanboyish, and doesn't mean I don't like the songs he sings. I just don't. I'm not. I don't know. Who, I, yeah, I'm not yeah, like it's not, you know. Not a bad thing. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things where I just really didn't know who he is, and so they came and they did that, and they, you know, um, the interview happened and all that stuff happened, and then he came. And this is probably the only really awkward part about the whole story for me. And if you guys know how to get all of him, you should probably tell him that I apologize because <laughs> he came to the building and he pulled up right to the mailboxes and they, it was when they did the Apple podcast thing and he was out there by the by the street sign. Cool. He pulls up to the building and he looked really excited to see me and he starts waving and I waved back and I just found out that my son had COVID and I was feeling like I had it. And so I saw him, and I was like, I don't want to get So I, I knew he was going to come shake my hand and say hi and stuff, so I just bailed into the house. And I just sat there in the house, like, looking out the window to see what he was doing. Right out of the corner while he's trying to do this Apple podcast. It, it was pretty funny. And I thought, oh, I'll just, you know, take a minute, and I'll run out. I'll just yell out the window and tell him, hey, you know, I think we got COVID. And good to see you, you know. And he was gone before I <laughs> I was like, hope he didn't think I was being rude, but I was trying to save him from getting sick. And yeah, just, you don't want to be the guy, no, yeah. the guy that got branded, yeah, <laughs> yeah. gave him COVID, so, especially during that time. So I knew he had all that stuff going, and I was like, man, I don't want to get that guy sick. So that was the only part that, uh, out of the whole thing that was awkward about it was I just, later thinking back, I was like, gosh, I should have said, I should have yelled out the window or something just so he knew that I wasn't being rude. But yeah, those are the, the experiences I've had with him. You know, he, annex-wise, he's coming, he's checked out a couple of things. I don't, I don't know if Meadow told you guys, uh, we ripped up that floor in number one. And yeah, was there was a that. big mural. And the story I was told is his mother painted that. And I tried to figure out how to um, cut it out of the floor. You know, I was going to send it to him, but it had so much glue on it that everything, everything I did to it, you know, because that old linoleum, 
floor glue is just unreal to get off of stuff. It's like trying to pour, you know, asphalt off of off the road. It's hard. So Yeah, for the listeners it was just uh it just said the flowers family or something like that. I think it said flowers and um, it was just on some some paneling. Underneath. Yeah, it was like it was like a yellow floor, and it's it's the had little purple flowers. It was one of those things where you were like, "Holy cow! I wish I could save this," because I know it means something to somebody, but I could not get it out of the floor. Especially uh, when you're talking about history and stuff with the annex yeah. and the connection there. Well, I'm sure. Oh, here it is. Here. Nope, just says just the flowers. Yeah, that was. I think Meadow put that on Facebook, and I think we shared it. We'll we'll put it back up for this episode for everybody yeah. listening. It's cool. pretty neat, you know, and you find stuff like that, and I, you know, having my mom gone when I find you know old family stuff like that, that meant that means a lot. So, I was trying to figure out how to. You can even see the pieces of floor that were still stuck to the floor. And I had to have to chip them yeah. off because that glue was so strong. Not a good way without damaging it all yeah, together. Yeah, I mean, just, I couldn't. I finally figured that if I left it the way it was, put the floor down, and then if somebody wanted it later, they could maybe get some kind of something, adhesive remover or something that would get that glue off. And Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I sent that to Luke and all them guys and then they sent it up to him and I said well if you want me to cut the piece of floor out I don't I can you know <laughs> I don't know how to get the glue off it but no nah, I'll just leave it it's better where it is so okay did, uh, so now you've just covered it up with flooring so. yeah now it's got a brand new LVP floor over it so it'll be safe <laughs> so if, uh, if anybody wants to come and visit the annex or anything like that um, I mean is there any protocol? Do you guys care if they come by? So usually I think the best thing for people to do is um, just let me know when they're coming, and that's usually, you know, get a hold of metal. You can see a lot from the outside, but, you know, I can't. I don't like, because I have all those babies and stuff, I don't like people just wandering around in there, you know. So um, I usually ask, you know, if I'll see somebody outside or whatever, I'll walk out there and ask them, and then I'll kind of give them a little impromptu tour. Um, but usually if just an email or a phone call to Meadow and I can give a half hour or whatever and walk people through there and show them what I know and come by the coffee shop and buy something and there you go. set yeah. up a time yeah, <laughs> there you go. heads up yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's another thing you guys took over the coffee shop yeah yeah and that's been a real uh, that's a whole different industry than rentals I can tell you that much for sure numbers are better but they're a lot smaller there's a lot more transactions have to happen so it's definitely a thing where if you came and you want it, Meadow's almost always at the coffee shop and you just came and said, hey, you know, I'm, she she really loves that stuff too. She's found, you know, the page you guys got and stuff, the international page. I don't know if that's you guys or if that's a, just a killer's fan yeah, page. That's a fan group, yeah. And uh, she's had a couple people contact her through there and, you know, they, hey, I'm coming, I'm doing a worldwide branding tour and I'm coming through and I really want to, you know, and so... I'm home and I'm not busy and it's not snowing, <laughs> you know, I, I don't mind walking people through there. And obviously I can't take you into people's homes because that's their house, but I can show you as much as I can, you know. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. We appreciate the time you spent with us last, last summer when we, we came over and 
after we interviewed Meadow and he took us through and showed us all the cool and all the creepy spots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got the good, we got the tour. I think we went through a few people's units that yeah. he said, just come look at this and, yeah. and whatever. But uh, everybody loves good ghost stories. There's, oh, yeah. There's stuff with the with the annex. Can you give us, I mean, you've been working in there and stuff. Can you give us some of the, the haunted stuff? Even with Brandon, it goes back to he had, you know, his ghost stories in there that he's talked about and stuff. So, you know, the, the, the funny thing about the annex is, is that everybody tells me it's haunted, and I'm probably the, the one person that just doesn't really get it. <laughs> like, and I believe in ghosts and stuff, and I, I, as many people report to me things that are happening, I feel like I should see a lot more stuff there. Um, I have my own personal experiences. I had um, one that I tell on the ghost tour all the time when the little li library ladies come around. And I had a buddy upstairs paint the big one upstairs and we were uh, spraying paint with an air compressor and he had been up there all day painting away you know and he comes downstairs and I see him out back out my kitchen window and I see he's kind of shaking and I went out there and I said my buddy his name's Brian I said Brian what's wrong and he says he just looks at me that's looking at you know he, Brian had that serious look you know when he wasn't and he was the joking teasing all the time kind of guy but you knew I said, were you upstairs? I said, nope. I said, I've been down here making dinner. And he said, you sure? And I said, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I know where I was, you know. And he's trying to, he smoked, you know, and he's trying to smoke his cigarette. And it's like wobbling as the cigarette <laughs> goes to his mouth. And I'm like, damn, what's freaked this guy out? And uh, he goes, you know, so the annex used to have all the old dumbwaiter windows where they'd have a lead weight inside the window frame. And then when you lift, the lead weight would pull the window up. So you'd have like a counterweight for because the, they were so damn heavy. They were like a guillotine, you know. <laughs> so we had, we took all the windows in that apartment where he was painting and we wedged them all open with a, with a, a board or a stick or, you know, whatever we could find, a shim. And uh, we had all the windows open so he wasn't getting too loopy on all those paint fumes. And he says... He says, are you sure you're not upstairs? I said, yeah, I'm sure, Brian. He says, come look at this. So he takes me upstairs, and all the windows were shut. And I was like, why would you shut all the windows? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I didn't shut them. I was like, sure. He says, I'm standing here spraying paint, minding my own business. I'm almost done with this roof. And all of a sudden, all, all at the same time, he says, I just hear bang. And all the windows shut at the same time. I said, Brian, I think you've been upstairs <laughs> a little too long in, in the paint fumes. I'm like, sorry, buddy. Like, <laughs> I think I think you're getting a little loopy. And he's like, he's like, you think I'm loopy? He's like, come look at this. He says, every one of those boards is in the same spot. And I wish I would have thought then that I'd be telling this story so many times later. Um, but you could damn near step them off that all them boards were in the same spot on the floor. Like somebody had grabbed him and just sat him. It was so weird. And every window, same thing. And every different room. And you're, I'm talking, was that place has got like 15 windows. Every one of them was. So it was very, I was like, well, this is weird, you know. And he's like, yeah, I told you, you're right. So he says, but I got to get this roof done. So he starts spraying again. And so I'm, you know, being the kind of guy I am, I start teasing him again. Oh, you better be careful, you know. You know, kind of making light of it, and 
as he's spraying, you know how with when you spray paint with a compressor, it kind of aspirates and there's that little bit of mist to, to the paint as well. So I'm standing behind Brian and I'm teasing, because you got to get close because the air compressor is running. I'm teasing the hell out of him. And there's this paint, you know, dust, I, I would call it right here, to the side of him as he's spraying. And, and just as he's, I'm teasing him, and this perfect form of a head and shoulders walks right through that, right at me. And he looked at me and he goes, see? <laughs> I, I says, well, I think it's time for both of us to go to bed. <laughs> you know? We put the compressor away and we, we uh, put that up and... And, th and this is the person I, I like to call Fred. And there seems to be some type of person, spirit, whatever you want to call it, around every time I do maintenance or I'm fixing something. Um, almost over your shoulder, kind of checking to make sure you're doing it right. Sure you, kind of, job, you, know, huh? you know. And so uh, the other one I hear a lot about, and I I think I've heard her, but I don't, I've never seen her, is that there's a little girl with black hair. And uh, when my wife's sister Autumn lived at the house, uh, my niece Bella fit the description of this little girl pretty close. And so I guess one of the best stories, Meadow saw her, the, she thought it was Bella running up the stairs and she chased her up the stairs and, and the little girl went around the corner of the stairwell and the Meadow chased her and kind of went to do a peekaboo and there was nobody there. <laughs> and uh, when Josh or when Autumn was dating Josh Marshall, um, they lived across the halls from each other. And Bella would, Autumn would, they they'd hang out all night. And then Josh would go home. And he, Bella'd kind of chase him down the hall and and bang on his door when he'd shut the door, just to just to tease him, you know. So he said one day he was leaving Autumn's apartment and he he went over there and he he could hear, thump 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 thump, you know the little kids running across the hall and he's. He says, oh, this time I'm going to get her, you know. And he said he crouched over and he turned the doorknob. And he's just waiting for her to, just to hear that first knock, right? And he says he can hear the door, the, the footsteps coming up to the door. And just as he got to the door, he yanks the door open and he goes, boo, and there was nobody there. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that night he called me. It, that, that one kind of freaked him out. So, as far as I know, I mean, I've, I've been told every story you can think of. From tenants, you know, and sometimes I think people's, you know, mind runs runs away with them, and they 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 get they hear stories around town, and and they want to believe so bad that they come up with stuff. And so the way I see it is is you know, their tenants do they live there too? They're whatever they're doing, they're doing that, and I just try to we just try to be respectful of them in their space, and hopefully they can figure out. What, <laughs> what they need to figure out and I think we've been around it for so long now that it'd be kind of weird to not have <laughs> a ghost story or, watching or, or yeah, shoulders on. yeah it'd be the kids have all grown up with this and you know the funniest thing about it, whatever is inside the annex I believe is um, they're very reactive to you like if you if you oh my gosh there's a ghost it's listening to me it's talking like like especially I think the little girl like she I think she's just trying to play with you. So if you acknowledge her and you, you know, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, oh, my God, she's here. Like, she'll do something to let you know she's there. But I almost never have any type of encounter with her because I don't, I'm just painting or moving things up and down the stairs or whatever I'm doing, and I just don't, 
hear stuff all over. I hear there's a lot, and it's hard to tell, right, when you have so many little kids in the building, but there's, I hear babies crying when there's no babies there. I hear kids laughing when, you know, sometimes I know there's kids upstairs, sometimes I'm not sure. Sometimes there's, you know, sounds and creaks and boards and, you know, stuff where you're like, there's times where you stop and you're like, you know, is my little, like, I'll hear stuff right above me and I'm like, is my brother home or is he at work? <laughs> like, you take a minute to think about it. So, most of the time, like I said, I just treat them like if there is something there and they're there and that's their part of it and they've, gosh, if they need to be there, they can stay, you know. <laughs> yeah, they've probably been there a few more years than <laughs> yeah. some of the other people, so. Yeah. Um, you were talking a little bit about the concert, secret bonus concert mm -hmm. for doing the work and stuff. How did that go? How did you find out it was add-on or do you know any of that process? Or? So right before it happened, they finally just called and said, hey, this is what we're doing. This is where it's at. Please don't tell anybody. It needs to be, you know, I think it may have been days before it happened. I mean, two, three days, like. They kind of gave it, there was rumblings and stirrings of this thing's going to happen but when it finally came up. And it just so happened, because I think we were going to leave town that weekend. And it just so happened to be we hadn't set any plans in stone. This is where it's at. You better be there. And it was pretty neat to, to, to go to that kind of a thing because you would think being a concert, you know, it would be it. We all go down and we sit and we clap and everything he does is amazing and we're all happy, right? But it was more like a like a family reunion, like a potluck dinner. We all brought up, a, a, you know, metal brought deviled eggs. And, <laughs> you know, it was more just like a family hangout. You'll have to forgive me, but I'm not sure which songs were. Mm -hmm. Unless he said, this is my mm -hmm. new song. Like, I didn't know what, <laughs> you know, but his metal sitting there through the whole thing with tears in her eyes and she was so happy. And I thought, well, you know, that makes it all worth it. She was pretty happy and, and it was cool, you know. I mean, the songs he sung about Nephi were, a lot different, a lot, lot, lot of like um, Bruce Springsteen-ish kind of, you know, like more about your about your home and your your past and stuff like that. And a lot of stuff I'd heard him sing before was quite opposite of like, I can't wait to get out of there, kind of, you know, like he almost didn't want to be a small town boy. And then somehow in his life figured out that how important that is. So it was kind of cool to see that. You know, because I kept listening to stuff just trying to figure out what I thought this new album would sound like. When I came out, I was like, wow, that doesn't sound anything like I thought it would sound at all. So Yeah, you were one of the first to hear these songs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you guys, so. how many uh, people were there, would you say? You know, I'd, I'd, I'm going to guess right around 50, maybe. I mean, Ani's backyard was loaded. But it was really, it just like, it was little kids and, and parents and people I mean just it was really neat how they decided to do that and I'm glad they did it that way because it was a lot more personable you know when you have they, a show a ticket or anything a name on a list or did you just no, know the they, time they just they just uh, there was the little they have so many names for those people associate directing assistant type of gal little red-haired gal and I, they must have showed her everybody's pictures or whatever, because as I walked up, she's, oh, Tony, and she, you know, she knew who I was, and so I was like, okay, and they're like, this is metal, yeah, this is metal, and so they had a very particular 
list of who was going to be there and who wasn't. It was pretty cool. I, I, I'll admit I was surprised it was at Andy's backyard, but hey, it works, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, they've had a few videos and stuff come out from that, and it was it looked pretty cool. I wish me and Jimmy didn't get the nod, so we weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would have been a good one. That would have been a fun one to see. Yeah. It was really neat because it was a, like I said, it didn't really feel like a concert. It felt more like you were just kind of hanging out with your buddies, like a barbecue in the backyard. And, you know, Meadows pointing out to me who's who's who and telling me who's important and who's, you know, <laughs> who all these people are. And I'm just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, the funniest part about the barbecue was, we, we finally, they kind of, okay, it's time, we're going to start cleaning this up, so we start going, and we get our, the, what was left of the deviled eggs, and we're walking out, and I don't know his name, the guy that's in the band that has the big beard, I don't Ronnie. know, Ronnie, he's out on the front lawn, and he was like, oh, are you guys going, I says, yeah, I says, but I got a bunch of deviled eggs if you want one, and he walks over there, and he grabs two of them, and he's just like, bam, bam, and he's like, oh my god, he's like, those are amazing. He's like, I haven't had dev- real deviled eggs in so long. And I was like, this is the deviled egg lady right here. Like, if you want deviled eggs, you come over to the annex and we'll take care of you. Because <laughs> like, she makes, well, everything metal makes is good. The only time her food sucks is when she's mad at me. This has only <laughs> happened a couple times. But if I eat something and it tastes nasty, I'm like, uh-oh. What'd I do? Uh-oh. <laughs> so did uh, they have much interaction with you guys, or did they come out and... and I mean, you could anything? tell they were busy, and they were trying to get something done, but they were all really, you know, talking to us and interacting, and, and, and um, you know, you could tell they, obviously being who he was, you know, he kind of had... He was behind the scenes until the, the performance, and then as it came out, I think... He had so much family there and stuff, you know, so many people just kind of, you know, and I thought, yeah, we'll, we'll just, you know, we'll run into him later or whatever, you know, we don't, we don't want to, you know, run up there and ask for an autograph or anything weird like that, so we just kind of let him see his family and, and, you know, but he was, you know, just stepped right off the stage and started hugging and handshaking and you could tell that that meant as much to him as, as it did to us that these people had participated and, and, you know. It was it was pretty cool all around. It was really. I had no idea that he could sing on so many different, you know, platforms of of what what do you call it? Like he he could sing really high and really low, mm-hmm. really like. But when you're in, it's just like anything, you know. I'll I'll watch freaking tennis if it's live. When you're there, it's so much different being that close and being able to hear and being you know, because in this little backyard. It wasn't an auditorium. It was his backyard. But he was hitting some notes that I was like, whoa. You know, that would curl my beard hair if I, <laughs> if I tried that. But he, he, it, it was really cool. And, and I never felt like, ooh, you're hanging out with a rock star. Like, it was just kind of like hanging out with a buddy kind of thing. And, you know, like I said, that, that was important to me from the minute I've met him is, just how he was with his kids and how he is with his wife and how he was with us when we were there, you know, I just felt like he's a pretty cool dude, you know, and the other guys, you know, I think they switched up. I think different band members had come with him at different times because the guys that were at the concert in at Andy's were not the same guys that were coming and doing little videos and stuff like the Apple thing. And mm-hmm. So 
I don't know if he just has a whole spectrum of guys that he kind of picks from for depending on what kind of music he's singing or what. But the beard dude, Ronnie, was there for most of that if it was anybody but Brandon. So it seems like those two were probably close. Yeah, they seem to be the two mainstays yeah, of the killers. Yeah, so. so you also went to the concert in Salt Lake last, yeah. <laughs> last fall? Yeah, and that was funny because... A little bit different experience. Well, you know, and, and, and at that point, you're standing there looking at, I mean, how many ever thousand people were there, and you're thinking, I just saw this guy in the backyard. Like, <laughs> like, like you know, and... It was hard because I had I took my kids and, and met you know Metal really wanted them to be a part of it, and my oldest son Pete, the one that's in the picture with him, I think Pete had this impression that he was going to be more Metallica, more you know like that kind of rock, and so as the concert went on, Pete was like, "This guy gonna start jamming?" Like so we get to the end of it, and Peter was like, "He had had enough, like he wanted to go," and I think. It was a baseball or a football day, and he was exhausted anyways. And by the end, so it was a pretty cool performance. But we had just got up and was starting to leave as he started to do the Nephi part of the the concert. And so we get out to the truck and we're driving home. And then Meadow, I think she looked it up on her phone or whatever. The next day, she's like, "Oh my God, he sung all the Nephi songs after we left." <laughs> And I was like, the picture of the annex. Yeah, yeah, the annex was up there and everything. And so you know, I'm just like the kids are more important than anything kind of guy. So I could tell he was he wasn't just honoring. He was just wore out and he (laughs) was not having fun anymore. And I was like, well, let's go. We need to get this kid to bed. And I wish I could have stayed just a little bit longer. We would have caught that that whole part, but. It's kind of weird when you look up. I mean, for you, you live in there, but we were there, and you see, you know, the Annex and Nevo or these different things yeah. up on the up on the big screen there yeah. in, in the big arena, and it's like, what what's going on yeah, here? Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I look at the shirt that Metal got, and, like, I can actually look in that window, and I remember who was living there, and I know what that piece of paper says that you can see, you know, magnetized to the fridge <laughs> right there, you know. Everybody gets to enjoy the Annex just a little bit. You know, Brandon, obviously, that's the music and stuff. That's why those people are interested in it. But it's also something I've worked on, something I care about, and something I've spent a lot of time doing. And so it's finally at a point where we're, where both of us career-wise have hit a point where we can start bringing in a little bit more contractors and bringing in people that can do a lot more professional repairs because I'm an earth mover. I've run heavy equipment for 20 years or so, and I try real hard. But, you know, I'm not, I don't have the craft part of all that stuff. And so I'll make things nice and I'll get them cleaned up and I'll make them safe. But I like to, you know, if it's electrical, stuff like that, I like to hire people that can come and make sure it's right. And, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody. So it's really actually at a point where, like you guys were asking, we, we, we just thought about selling it. And then we're like, you know, we're finally at a point where we can really start to, dig deep on this thing and really get it running streamlined and make it pretty and clean and something that we can leave for the kids you know a big part of this has been I have a I have a heart condition called AFib and it's from uh, another condition where I think it's called White Wolf and another doctor's name it was basically I was born with two pacemaker muscles in my heart and then when they get out of sync of each other 
they'll start doing like this then and you don't get a full stroke out of your heart so they had to go in there and they killed one of them so that one of them's doing it all the time but then you get afib so all that stuff i told you about jim and when, when he wanted us to to take the annex over and stuff that was all about right when i'd had my um second heart episode where my heart was trying to couldn't really keep its own rhythm and so at the time also trying to follow my own you know i want to own stuff career dreams stuff like that i also knew that if i had a place like that and something happened to me that she'd be okay that if i died and she had the annex that she'd be all right and so it's it's been you know a, a sl slight source of income and a safe place and all that stuff and on that sense of the word but also at the same time it's a a safe haven and a shelter for them if anything happens to me because you know heart and stuff like that you never know like i'm good now and i i haven't had you know any reason to think i'm dying anytime soon or anything like that but it's been it's strange to look back through the history of that building and say you know it's been a safe place and a shelter and a haven for so many people for so long i don't know if meadow told you guys about the guy um he was 94 and this was written in like 1946 and he and it come from kent jones and he wrote this um life biography thing about how he'd grown up his entire life inside the shelter of the annex is what he kept calling it or, or or no, the boundaries of the old fort, and most of it was at the annex. So he had lived within the boundaries of the old fort, which you guys know where the fort monuments are. And then he spent most of his life inside the, or part of his, a big part of his life in the annex. And it was crazy just to hear him talking about how his grandkids were safe and his kids were safe. And, you know, and I thought, God, that's so relatable to what I'm doing, you know. It almost seems like that's what her purpose is, is to be there for those things, you know. And it's it's housed everybody from rock stars to bulldozer operators to <laughs> you know, you know, anybody that'll anybody that'll take it. So it's a pretty cool place and we're really glad to have it and I'm glad to be able to at some point I'll be able to turn it over to the kids and, and maybe keep it in a family trust kind of thing and keep it a part of our, our family because I have now um, my youngest daughter took her first steps there and now I have two grandkids that took their first steps there and here real soon my oldest son's moving down from Ogden he'll live there and they're gonna have a baby in December and I bet you that baby has her first steps there and so it's kind of one of those things where a lot of neat stuff has happened there and I try really hard to take care of that place because it's taking really good care of me. You know? Well, to hear how much pride you take in being the caretaker there makes sense that somebody like Fred the Ghost would watch <laughs> yeah. over your shoulder when you're trying to make changes to it. Cause, yep. uh, you might end up taking Fred's spot here. And, yeah. you know, hopefully <laughs> hopefully a few hopefully years down the road. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or leave him with his yeah. duties. And, yeah, I don't think the grandson will let me get too far away from him anyway, so I'll probably be there before and after. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the Haven Coffee House, uh, if you're driving through Nephi, stop by, say hi to Meadow, get yourself something to drink. A lot of people that are Killers fans like to go to Taco Time because Brandon worked there. Right. I have nothing against Taco Time. It's fine. 
But if you want the real killer's experience or the real Nephi experience, they want the pressure machine experience, you got to get off the freeway and come into town a little bit, go to the coffee shop, talk to some people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I always say go down to, like, uh, Elisa's, and, and mm-hmm. there people are there. Uh, people that were on the album, people just from the town. You get a lot more of the feel mm-hmm. of that than just, you know, stopping off the freeway and going and grabbing yourself a burrito. But yeah. that's my opinion. Yeah. Come to Main Street. Come to Old Mill Park. Yeah. It's right there. So yeah, have yourself a, a cup of whatever you're drinking, and you guys have sandwiches and stuff now. Yeah, we're doing food now, uh, sandwiches and salads, and we've got some uh, biscuits and gravy and the, the little breakfast sandwiches in the morning. And, and, and Meadows put up a bunch of her little killer's men memorabilia downstairs in the lounge. So the picture, the shirt with the annex on it and all that stuff and her signed albums downstairs and i don't know if i should be telling killers fans that don't take it off the wall <laughs> you have some cameras up or something yeah. Yeah. No, i would come by take pictures uh, yeah please do it and, and metal really enjoys and i do as well um the one thing we're learning with the coffee shop is um, i'm meeting people from all over the world and i really like talking to people about where where they are and where they're coming from and where they're going and that kind of stuff and 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 you and you realize a place like this is a really good place to create a tiny little friendship for 15 or 20 minutes you know where we we've lost that in the world with the internet and the, and and the facebook and stuff and it's one of those places where you can come in you can sit down you want to work on your laptop for a couple hours. You want to just hang out. You want to talk to me about coffee. That's what I spend doing most of my time is as the roaster talking to people about. But I've had the killers people come in there. Middle usually snags them up before I even killers fans and and and, and she gets talking to them and then you know. But I don't mind. You know, the annex is just up the road. We can go check it out or. Or whatever they want to do, but yeah, it's 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 a pretty neat place, and it seems to be a good good stop and spot for long journeys. You know, that's everybody I've talked to is, oh, we went through the the Grand Can or the Zions and all that Penguin, you know, and and now we're on our way to fly out, but we need to stop here and let the dog pee in the you know <laughs> whatever. So it's pretty cool, and it's a good place to find us. And Meadows usually upstairs running the restaurant, and I'm downstairs roasting coffee or depends on what day of the week it is and if it's winter or not <laughs> it depends on where i'm at but i try to be there thursday to you know friday to sunday and just hang out and you know there's lots of people coffee world goes deep man there's a lot of science and a lot of questions and a lot of people are into that yeah. um thanks for the hats yep do you guys sell like uh if somebody just wants to order like a bag of some roast or anything like that? yeah we do it's all the haven roasting um the Haven Coffee House and Roasting is online. It's a, it's got a website. It's got a, the store. All that stuff's on there, and um, we've got quite a few people doing the um, subscription where we're sending it every. So that thing's catching speed, and we got some new products that are coming out here real soon to get us back and more in line with other coffee shops and the you know stuff that people are doing. People expect in most coffee shops, and so. It's all about growth, right? You, you yeah, I think, I think uh, you kind of hit on it there. We've lost some connection and stuff, and I think it even went back to when we first started. You said you were growing up in Orem, and it was kind of like a small town. Mm-hmm. Nephi had that small town, and now, whether it's the Internet, whatever, that doesn't seem to be there, but you can still find some spots like this where you can meet in person, talk yeah. about coffee or the killers or 
you know, your drive back from Zion's and what you saw down at the park yep. or whatever, and it's a it's a good thing to do. So yep. connecting them with people is never never a bad thing. It's kind of lost art, but I, I think a lot of people are lonely because of that, you know. Yep. So do you have a specialty or a customer favorite or something that stands um, out from? Well, I always I always like to stick to the Nutcracker because it's got that amaretto flavoring in it, and it just it's just right for me. I just like it. Um, you know, the thing you'll find with coffee, we got a lot of people that like the White Rabbit and people that like the Canyonlands and the Goblin Valley, stuff like that. The thing you'll find about people is you're either a black coffee drinker or you're a, a flavored coffee drinker, really. There's people, you know, there's such a wide spectrum of coffee stuff now that, um, you know, that's the challenge of a coffee shop is you really can't lay out a pattern to say this is... This is where, like, you got to have a lot of options. you got to have a lot of different flavors. Um, there's a lot of days where I just drink black coffee, and that's good. Um, the teas we've got in there, we've got a guy up in um, Provo that actually hand-builds our tea mixes. So they're, they're made to, they're real tea mixes. They're not, you know, shelf stuff. A lot of people come in there and get that hibiscus tea and really just, yeah, I mean... The kids love the um, frozen hot chocolate. And it's pretty hard for me to make. I don't know if you guys have ever tried to freeze hot chocolate, but it's not very easy. So it's kind of a little magic there. I always tell the kids. I don't, I'm not going to tell them the secret. <laughs> <laughs> you got paid to come back and get that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's we're trying to more of the theme of just having a place that people can hang out and talk and that kind of stuff. and. Even if we've talked about growth or bigger or changing, it's always been part of the conversation is we want to have a place where people can hang out, talk, and just sit for a minute and get off your phone and, you know, just visit, you know, and have a dog's, you know, we got the porch out there. People come bring their dogs up and they just sit out there and listen to the creek. And I think it's becoming more and more important for us as we go forward to take a minute and get off the electronics and really just talk to each other because you're missing out on on a lot of things that made these songs and made these places and made this stuff you know you know it's it's definitely cool i think there's lots of neat stuff on there and i use it all the freaking time but there's definitely a moment where like this morning i sat and played uh you know cards with a little kid and we were playing war and speed he killed me at speed. I had no idea how to play. <laughs> you know, he was, I think he's seven. It's just fun to just sit in there and, you know, relate with people and talk to them where they are and where they're going, where they've been. And you people, it's so weird. They'll just open right up and they'll tell you everything. So it's cool. It's a pretty cool thing. And it seems like metal has, I think she's kind of talked about it on the killer's page too because there's been some people that's come in looking for her there so well yeah i know we appreciate you getting away from your busy schedule and coming up here and talking with us i know between you and meadow you probably have five six full-time jobs between the two yeah. of you so yeah uh, we're trying to mellow it out but it's not it's not working right now <laughs> we're headed that direction how's that yeah and you're, you're building the small town community you're adding added to nephi and all the things that that we love about it you guys are just making yeah. better so uh, we appreciate you coming in. Tell Meadow we said hi. I will. She said to tell you guys hello, by the way. She make sure she's tell you tell my friends I said hi. I said, okay, I'll tell them. You got anything else you want to add that we haven't talked about? 
just to just make sure that that's the part I thought was pretty cool about him is how good of a dad and husband and that was pretty important to me. Yeah, there's definitely my, some things in life. I guess you talk about your first impression. That was my, you know, he was. I was like, this guy's not a rock star looking to me, but it's been cool. It's been fun to be a part of this thing and be, you know, obviously not the main focus of anything, but to have the little YouTube videos and have my cousins, you know, that I haven't seen for years call me and saw you on YouTube and it was killer and you know you're like yeah it was cool (laughs) you know so this is Tony and that's another episode down from Lonely Town podcast